maybe I'm crazy, but William Stephen Belichick is the GOAT of sneakiness. Maybe I'm crazy, maybe I'm crazy, maybe I'm not. Welcome to the Maybe I'm Crazy podcast. I'm Joy Taylor. Thanks for joining us again this week. Hope you're doing well, staying safe, staying healthy. Emmanuel Acho from Speak For Yourself is gonna join us this week. He is the new co-host of Speak For Yourself. He also has a series, Uncomfortable Conversations with a Black Man. We'll ask him about that, as well as his thoughts on Cam Newton and some other NFL news as well. Of course, the whole gang is here. Crazy Gang, Heller, Donnie, and T with the Culture Report BET Awards last night. So we'll have lots to talk about there. But let's get started with Emmanuel Acho. All right. So we've been on a, a Speak for Yourself run the past couple weeks on the podcast. We had Big Bro Marcellus Wiley on. We have LeVar Arrington, and now we have the new co-host of Speak for Yourself, Emmanuel Acho, yeah. new to the to the FS1 family. Thanks so much for joining us in the podcast. Of course, of course. I'm the new kid on the block, um, and I guess that comes with its perks, but it does, I haven't been hazed so far, so it's all good. How has your, well, you actually aren't even through a full week yet of Speak, I guess, <laughs> but how is your first week at, at Speak on? You know, it's been amazing. It's being at Fox has been amazing. Like people don't realize it's the little things. Um, like you walking on campus or not even campus, I guess the Fox lot. Y'all are fancy here. Where I've come from, it was campus. Uh, walking on the Fox lot. Uh, it's dope. Like you walk in and, and your wardrobe's already there for you. Um, food to a degree is already there waiting for you. Your producers, one call away, they'll come meet you dressing room or at the stairs and just chop it up and talk about the show. It's been cool because it allows me to solely focus on performing and being an entertainer. I don't have to worry about all the other stuff. And then the people are fantastic. Um, I love being able to go from one show to another. It's like a team. Uh, it's as close to being on the football field when it comes to being with a team that I've experienced. Yeah, I don't know how it was for you. I mean, you're like pretty big time, but for me, when I first came to Fox Audition, I like got, I didn't know, I didn't like realize it was on the Fox movie lot and I hadn't spent a lot of time in LA. So I got like to the hotel and was like getting ready to come for the audition. Like we're pulling onto the lot and I was like, this is the Fox studio lot. Like this is crazy. Um, but it does make me appreciate work so much because it is like, it's kind of, you know, overwhelming to, to drive onto the lot every day. I mean, think about this. You mentioned audition June, 10th 2016 i just left the nfl i was trying to get into tv i didn't know what the heck i was going to do and my agent at the time was like hey you can audition for a show that's about to launch called speak for yourself so i'm thinking to myself oh heck yeah you know what i'm saying everything i do it usually works out i'll go audition surely i'll get the job june 10th 2016 i walk onto the lot i audition with the co-host at the time and i thought it went great i'm expecting fox to give me a call yes we'd love to have you crickets and so uh, I didn't get the job June 10th 2016 because amongst other things I just wasn't ready well now June 10th 2020 I get the call from the Fox executives hey Emmanuel we'd love to have you as our next co-host of speak for yourself so whenever somebody mentions the word audition it literally is one of the most mind-blowing experiences for me because four years to the day um, of June 10th from 2016 to 2020 I go from not being good enough to now getting my dream job in LA, hosting the show. Just, uh, it's been a wild journey. That's crazy. Uh, that's an amazing story and a testament to like waiting for the right moment 
you know, putting in your dues and the, the process of it. It's also my younger sister's birthday, June 10th. Ah, great things happen on June 10th. That's a great date. So yesterday we got some some pretty crazy news. I think I yelped a little bit. Like I like looked at my phone and saw that it was like, ah! Uh, Cam Newton. Is that what a, is that what a Yelp sounds like? I mean, like, I don't know. Like, imagine like a Yelp is like if you like accidentally step step on like a a dog's paw or something, and they're like. Ah. See, I, I didn't I didn't think a Yelp was audible. I thought a Yelp was kind of like. I didn't know like it was like a high pitch, high tone. I don't. I mean, but you're the Yelp expert, so. I mean, I imagine a Yelp has a, somewhat of a sound. I screeched a little bit when I saw that Cam Newton was going to the Patriots because um, you don't know this, but I am a big Cam Newton fan and supporter. And I have a lot of theories about why people don't like Cam Newton, but I knew he would be a starter again this league. I didn't really think it would happen this soon. And I certainly didn't think that it was going to be the Patriots. But what was your reaction when you saw that news? Other than yelping, of course. Uh, <laughs> Yo, Cam is my favorite player. He has been since like 2015. I don't know when you're in the NFL if you're allowed to have favorite players, but Cam Newton and Cam Chancellor were my favorite players. Cam and Cam. Cam Chancellor has since retired. So it's now up to Cam Newton to hold the throne by himself. I was hype um, for several reasons. Number one, great fit. Great fit because the Patriots are missing one piece. Their defense, stout. Offensive line, because of injuries, yes, it has some issues. But running backs, I like. Um, at receiver, yes, do they need some help? Sure. But I do think they'll be healthier this year at receiver, so that will help. Um, I love Cam Newton to New England because everybody thinks, well, will it work? Cam Newton, he's, he's eccentric, he's loud, he's stylish and flashy. That's not the Belichick way. Bump all that. The Belichick way is winning games. The Belichick way is 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 dominating the AFC East. That is the Belichick way. And so I think it will work. I'm excited to see it to work. And I think the Patriots once again took claim of the AFC East. And I think they put themselves in the top three of the AFC. So my theory about why people don't like Cam Newton um, is because uh -oh. Uh -oh. Cam Newton. Well, look, like the, if you if you're Criticisms of Cam Newton are, you know, he's injury prone. Like, okay, I can, I can rock with you there. Like, he's had a pretty bad string of injury, injuries lately. That he's not a good player. Like, I can't, I can't get down with that. Like, the, when he's healthy, he's a great player. So, like, you just, you're just paying attention. It's recency bias with that. I think swag makes people uncomfortable, particularly people who are swagless. And Cam <laughs> Newton is on the high end of the spectrum of swag. You wore a. Uh, um, scarf on the scarf. show today. Yeah. And I mean, it probably made people who didn't know what was going on uncomfortable. But I do think that, like, I think that his style, his, um, you know, the way he plays, his Superman, like, all that can kind of make people uncomfortable, especially at the quarterback position. Now, I do think since he's been at the height of his playing ability, because he's been injured the past couple of years, a lot has changed. You got Mahomes, you got Lamar Jackson, um, Russell Wilson is at the top of his game. Like, there's a lot more uh, swag around the league <laughs> these days. Um, what do you think about that? Because I, I feel like that's a big part of it. I think you're 100% right. And I think you were uh, tiptoeing around uh, the adjectives that you want to use. But I'm a tiptoe with you since that's what we're doing. Um, and going into work today, 
I Googled Gardner Minshew outfits because everybody loves and adores Gardner Minshew for wearing his uh, adorable outfits and his handlebar mustache. I love Gardner Minshew's game since he was at Wazoo, Washington State. I covered him in college as the college football analyst. Gardner Minshew is tacky. He's tacky as heck. He is as tacky as they come. But, Joy, if you Google Gardner Minshew outfits, the first thing that comes up, in quotes, Gardner Minshew rocks old man swag. So when Gardner Minshew does it, tacky as ever, shirt buttoned to here, chest hair is all out, look like he's a 1970 uh, jazz swinger artist. When he does it, it's cute and adorable. But when Cam comes out here in his $5,000 suits and his $3,000 scarves, it's a problem. It's a distraction. I personally just don't understand it. My first day on speak. And speak for yourself, I had to wear, uh, we had to do photo shoots, headshots. I take my cute little headshot, I'm feeling myself in my suit. And what people know about me, I like my suits painted on, like straight up and down. Um, I like them like as tight as can be. I show my little ankle cleavage, etc. I post my picture on my Instagram, and this woman comments, uh, your pants are too tight, they make you look like a midget because of how short they are. I look at her, it's like Orange County stylist with like 500 followers. I'm like, huh. Because what is appealing to you is not appealing to me, you think that that is not stylish. But you do not get to define what is stylish because it does not make you comfortable. In the same manner, I think that's how it is for Cam. The majority of those who write about Cam, the majority of those who speak about Cam, don't understand Cam. And so all of a sudden, it's not stylish, or he is a nuisance, or he is uh, too outspoken and too flamboyant, when the same Gardner Minshew who does the exact same thing is swaggy. Make it make sense. You know, that's all I ask for every day in any conversation is to make it make sense. I say that a lot because I don't have a lot of time for stuff that doesn't make sense. And yes, we are tiptoeing around what we're really trying to say. And, you know, what's understood doesn't need to be said. So those who understand what we're saying, get it. And if you don't just, you know, maybe you'll catch up one day. But that is just, a, it's a perfect example of it. You're absolutely right. Um, which is why I think that New England overall cultural fit is kind of a little bit strange. But it's a temporary situation. I think it's going to be really fun to watch. The AFC East part is what upsets me because I grew up in Pittsburgh. So I have some loyalty to the Steelers, even though they're on my nerves lately. And I love the Dolphins, obviously. My brother played for the Dolphins for 13 years. I lived in Miami for 10 years. I love the Dolphins. And, you know, I really felt like this year, A, in the AFC East, it was the Bills, it was the Bills year. Like, to me, the pressure's on the, on the Bills this season still. But it's, it's not the same circumstances anymore. But it was the Bills year. And I was really looking forward to, like, a, a, pressure, a New England pressure-free season for the Dolphins. And it seems that that, that dream is gone. And I like Cam Newton, so I have to find some way to balance, like, three <laughs> AFC teams. You're torn. You're torn. It's a nightmare. I don't know what I'm going to do. So the other news that came out with the Patriots yesterday, which got completely glossed over, which was very strategic. Um, I see what you're doing, Bill. They got the punishment for cheating again. I don't really get crazy about the cheating thing. I, I can't fake outrage about anything. I'm, a, like, hard on my sleeve, emotions on my sleeve person. I can't fake it. I'm just not a fake person. I don't, I just don't care. Like I'm, I know I'm supposed to care, but I just don't care. And it's mainly because this is what the Patriots do. So there, it's just going to be a part of their legacy to me that they're cheaters. I feel you. I think the problem is 
it's a part of their legacy, right? To us who are in it right now in 2020 and who have seen it and, you know, deflate gate and, and, and then spy gate and all the gates. So they got more gates than the houses in Beverly Hills. Like I swear. Um, but I think when you go back in like 2040 and 2050, 20 years from now, 30 years from now, there aren't any asterisks by the Patriots wins. And I think that's the problem because if you're competing against the Patriots right now, it's like, yeah, they cheated, but they still got these trophies. And in history, they're still going to go down as the winners. That's why I personally, I have beef with dudes who like cheat, use whatever, and come back within the same season. Like Julian Edelman, if I'm not mistaken, I think like he got suspended for the first four games of the season, maybe two or three years ago, and then either comes back and maybe he's Super Bowl MVP or something like, I don't think I'm making this up, but something along those lines. Or at least the Patriots had won the Super Bowl, went to the Super Bowl like they always do. And I'm just like, that's not fair to me. To me as an athlete, and I know I only played four years because I had other higher ambitions personally, but to me it's just not fair because you got players, organizations that will break the rewards but history, it's not like it's going to revoke anything they've won. Now, would the Patriots have still accomplished what they've accomplished over the last two decades? Sure, right? Like, I'm not going to sit here and act like the Patriots only won all their chips because they cheated. Tom Brady's only the hell no. Like, they still would have been great. But to me, as a former athlete, I am a little like, dang, they did get a leg up. So I hear you and you're and- – I don't know if I agree with the history part. Like, in a, in a lot of ways, history sometimes doesn't look back on you so kindly. Like, things that we kind of maybe normalize to us, mm-hmm. then 20 years from now, it might be way more serious, the cheating, and they're like, we'll look back on that legacy that the Patriots have and be like, yeah, like, they, they did kind of do a lot of cheating. To me, I guess the reason why I don't get so angry about it is because I, I consider myself a realist, and which can sometimes be confused for a pessimist. But I just think everybody cheats. And like, they're just, they cheat more, which is why they get caught more. <laughs> like, it's like, you know, it's a numbers game. So I, I disagree. But now, I here's what I, hear, I adhere to, to a degree. The quote, if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying, right? Like, that's a quote that runs rampant throughout sports. But I just don't know if I can get down with that. Because now let's take it from the large-scale organizational structure and let's bring it on down to the player structure. There are guys within the NFL that take player-enhancing drugs, performance-enhancing drugs. Excuse me, there are guys. But there are guys that don't. So, like, sure, do several players take performance-enhancing drugs? Absolutely. But then there are also players who are out there just trying to get it. Like, I can say, again, I only played four years, so who the heck am I to talk? But I can say, I didn't ever take nothing, like straight up and down. And then I look at players who I'm close with. I'm reminded... I want to say 2009 um, defensive player of the year in the NFL went to a linebacker, Brian Cushing, played for the Houston Texans. Cushing is a dog, absolute beast. The runner-up was my guy, played at the University of Texas, Brian Arakpo. It turns out Cushing was juicing. Meanwhile, Rack, who wasn't, doesn't get the award that Cushing got while Cushing was juicing. So I, I just personally, I can't get down with that because I'm like, great, you got an award, a national award that will go down in history for you. Another guy should have got it. You were cheating like hell. 
but he never gets to reap the benefits of it. Because even if they were to redact the award and take it back from you, it's not like it's about to go to him. So personally, Joy, just like as a high level competitor and not even just sports, but like as a high level competitor of anything, I just can't down with can't get down with the playing field if it's not level. For me, it's more about what what's the butterfly effect of it, right? Like I'm not talking about legalizing steroids or anything, although I kind of feel like they should do that for baseball. But the problem <laughs> is it trickles down, right? Like if you do it in the pros, you're eventually going to have kids in college doing it because they're trying to make pro and the standards have been raised so high, unrealistically high because guys are using PEDs. And then eventually it's going to get down to high school and you're like, you just can't have that. So I agree, but I just also feel like there's an entertainment like it's at the end of the day, while it is high level competition, sports is also in the same breath entertainment. And Fair. so there's like just a lot of gray area that you can get into there. Um, so that being said, a lot is on the line of sports coming back. We're in the middle of a pandemic. You played, if you were playing right now, how comfortable just, I mean, Florida's going crazy. California cases are now rising. Would you feel comfortable coming back to play? I would, um, but players are kind of, how do we say this, como se dice, irresponsible. Uh, I mean, like, let's be real. If, if you were a young athlete in your prime, you already risking so much by playing a game like football. I'm going to specifically talk about football, right? Like, you're, you're risking physical health as far as bones, ligaments, soft tissue injuries, you're risking cognitive health. I studied with a neuroscientist for three seasons. I literally had to stop studying with this neurologist because like I was getting too worried. So you're already risking injuries um, and, 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 and pains and aches that are uh, tremendously scary. So as a player, remember, Joy, like you kind of think you're invincible as it is anyway. So personally, I probably wouldn't care. It's not saying it's the wisest thing in the world. I'm not saying that's the most calculated decision in the world. But every time you step on the football field, you're running a risk. You're running a risk every time you go to make a tackle that like, hey, if you tackle this guy with your head down, you might not get up. And so every time you play the game, you're running a risk. I don't think I would care about COVID, particularly because like, let's be real, the hardest thing to digest about COVID, you can't see it. I think that's the hardest thing. Like, it's kind of like concussions. And think about that for a second, Joy. We just now in 2016 got to a point of caring about concussions because unlike a broken arm, a torn hamstring, torn hamstrings, broken arms, you can see them recover. You can see them heal. Concussions, you can never see the progress of. So we're just kind of like, eh, not a big deal. I think that's kind of how we're treating COVID. Like, you can't see it. So we're just, we're still kind of like, does it really exist unless you're personally affected by it? Yeah, and that's why I'm so I'm so concerned about the NBA coming back because at least I mean again none of us know shit, right like we're not doctors and the doctors change their minds about everything that's going on because they get new information all the time nobody knows anything but I do know NBA players play in a cloth okay and you guys football players have helmets on and gloves and all kinds of equipment and whether that matters or not like. It just seems a little bit safer than just being face to face with another man that has a tiny piece of clothing on. So like what's going on in the bubble to me is like majorly concerning. I have a lot of apprehension about whether that's going to work or not. I'm not as concerned about the actual players in game as I am about the players outside the game. Like in game for me, it's simple. I would just 
test all 12 to 15 dudes that are on the bench that might get onto the court, test said coaches, test the refs, keep it in an isolated, incubated arena, and say, go play. My issue is, last I checked, um, custodial, chef, cafeteria, I checked, last I heard, they can leave the bubble and come back. So I'm not as concerned about, like, the 35, 40 players that are um, important personnel that are going to be there. And, and I'm really not concerned about in-game. I'm more concerned about, like, those who can lead and those that come back. That's the only thing that's worrisome to me. Like, in-game, very much so easier to concern, to control. Outside of that and all the extras, that's where you got them issues. Yeah, it's, uh, it's concerning to me. So – Thank you so much for stopping by. I really appreciate it. Before we let you go, though, you are, as I mentioned earlier, big, 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 big time, big time. And you you started something that's had a really big impact on a lot of people, really powerful impact on a lot of people. And it's uncomfortable conversations with a black man. So uh, I know you've answered this question a lot of times, but for those who don't know, where did it come from? I mean, obviously, we know, you know everything that's happening sparked the inspiration from it. But what made you want to do it? Yeah, so Uncomfortable Conversations with a Black Man. It is a show I started four weeks ago, four weeks ago today, actually. And um, it's now over 45 million collective views on um, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. It's been uh, it's been a whirlwind. It, it sparked, obviously, because of the tragic murder of George Floyd. And my heart was broken. Like, as a black man in America, I was like, this is unacceptable. I don't know how to feel. I don't know what to feel. But I'm solution-oriented, Joy. And so I said, I can't just sit here and, and weep. And I just can't sit here in sorrow. I grew up in an all-white high school. Uh, we wore uniform, all-boys school. Like, don't know how I survived it, but I did. And so I'm fully familiar with white culture. But then I played at the University of Texas, and I played in the league. And so I'm fully familiar in black culture on top of being a 6'2", 240 pound black man. And so I said, man, how can I bridge this gap, this division between white people and black people? And so much of it starts with communication. But the problem is white and black people, we truly speak two different languages because we speak two different cultures. And if you ever took a foreign language in middle school, high school, elementary school, you know one thing, in order to be fluent in that foreign language, you gotta go study abroad. Well, by living in Dallas, Texas, an uppity, you know, white area and going to this affluent white school, I studied abroad. I studied amongst my white people, my white friends. And then by playing in the NFL and playing college at Texas, college ball, I studied abroad. And so what I can now do, and by the grace of God have been able to do is take the pain and the hurt of my black brothers and sisters, engulf it in grace and deliver a message to my white brothers and sisters that they can understand. I say it like this. I take the seasoning off the food so my white friends can digest it. Um, and it has been, it's been crazy. Like Jennifer Aniston reached out to me. Reese Witherspoon reached out to me. Ben Stiller reached out to me. Um, like so many people who I never thought I would have not only been in contact with, but like had conversations with. Um, Dwayne Wade posted the video. Like uh, Jada Pinkett Smith, like people who I never thought I would share spaces with, I'm now sharing sentences with. And so uh, it's been it's been encouraging. It's been a blessing. And I'm just glad to be used. Well, it is it is really powerful. I've seen all of them. And you have episode because you like Matthew McConaughey, right? You're a big McConaughey fan. I am a big McConaughey fan. But I also was interested in 
what you were talking about. And I have watched all of them. And you have, and I'm, I'm a McConaughey fan because I love True Detective season one. Everybody knows that. Uh, <laughs> anyway, you have episode four coming out Tuesday night, yeah. 8 p.m. Can you give us a little a preview of what, what's going to go on in episode four? Yeah. So episode four, I wanted to address three primary questions. So many people have been emailing me. So many people have been asking. And I, and I hear what people are saying. I read literally every email comes across my desk and the concepts of the broken black family right well what about all these black people that grow up in single parent homes isn't the absence of the black father actually the biggest contributor to the lack of black success or there's you know the question of reverse racism um well emmanuel black people have black history month white people don't have white history month isn't that reverse racism or um kind of an all-time favorite i feel like an all-time ambiguous question I got an email, I as a white girl, I wanna wear my hair braided, but I'm offending black people. Like, when do I know if that's cultural appropriation or not? And so I said, wow, like these are the questions from the people. Uh, that amongst other things is what I answer and uh, the conversation I have in episode four. And it actually, to me, it's the best episode yet. Looking forward to that. I might actually have a few suggestions, just not questions, obviously, but just, you know, like maybe one time you can get into why it's not okay to touch my hair. You know, you could just, I'm just throwing it out I there. could bring you on the show to discuss it. We could do uncomfortable, you know? uncomfortable conversations with a black woman. Uh, yeah, I'll happily explain why I don't want you touching me if I didn't ask you to touch me. Well, looking forward to uncomfortable conversations with a black man tomorrow. Um, congrats on all your success with that. It's very needed, it's very important. And uh, I'll see you tomorrow on the lot. Um, congrats on Speak for Yourself. We look forward to seeing, uh, seeing you and Marcellus together every day. Do a great job. So thank you for coming on and welcome to the FS1 family. Thank you. I'm going to see you. Hello, hello. What's up, Joy? It's been a while. Yeah, missed you. How's everything? Everything is great. Um, what is going on in Witted or Quit It this week? Okay, so obviously Cam Newton signed with the Patriots. I'd imagine you covered that with uh, my guy Emmanuel Acho. Uh, but that wasn't the only Patriots news that dropped. Billy's boys were fined $1 million plus dollars and lost a third round pick for filming the lowly Bengals coaching staff last season. You remember Glazer had the scoopage with my guy, Mr. I can I can delete this for you right now, caught on tape. But I can delete this right here for you. The damage is done, my friend. Uh, between Deflategate, Spygate 1, Spygate 2, and low-key the tuck rule game, Joy, the Patriots will always be remembered as cheaters. Wit it or quit it. Yeah, I think it's witted. At this point, it's witted. Um, I also talked to Emmanuel about this, but like you know my you know my my thoughts on on cheating for the most part, which is yeah. like you know everybody cheats. Like it's not that I think that it's right. It's not that I right. think that it's fair. It's not that I think that you should cheat. I just personally right. don't like to fake outrage, and it doesn't out make me outraged that the Patriots were cheating because I just assume that they always cheat. And right. at this point, that's just not news to to anyone, I think. And overall, okay. like, the Patriots would, would still be great even if they didn't cheat, but they do cheat. And I think a lot of teams cheat. I think the Patriots just cheat so much more. So much more. Than they a lot more. Yeah, and then it's like, 
to be honest with you, it's kind of a numbers game, right? Like, I, I don't, you know, <laughs> it's, it's like the Tinder, like, you know, whatever, whatever the one is that you like swipe right. Like you just swipe right on all of them. So it like helps your odds. Like, don't be selective. Yeah. So you just cheat all the time. And then like, it right. helps your odds be better, but then also like you're going to get caught and then you just pay the consequences, which for the Patriots are, are really minimal. Like a third round pick is, is pretty, is pretty serious, but like a million dollars, it's like whatever. And, and they always stockpile picks too. So it's not like they're only going to have one third, you know? So it's just, just what I'm saying. So, uh, legacy wise, yes, they will always be cheaters. And I think Bill Belichick is just so he's so far removed from caring about it that it's just like, it's such a part of what they are that he just doesn't even care anymore. And, and as far as Patriots fans go, like, yeah. look, we all knew they were cheating. Of course they were cheating. It's just, just accept it. Like you guys are just cheaters. It's, it's, it's what you do. And it's yeah. part of what, it's part of why you're successful. You can't say that it doesn't help you. Otherwise they wouldn't keep doing it. So right. Right. obviously it helps right. you. That's not how it, that's not how it works really. <laughs> right. You know? So like, it's fine. Like we're not, you guys are still the greatest. You just, you just are not very honest about it. And like, that's, that is what it is. And you're also like way better at cheating than every other team. Yep. Because if every other team right. is cheating, maybe they're getting away with it, but it's not helping them as much. So you right. figured out a way to make the cheating, uh, cheating worthwhile to you. But that is their legacy for sure. Patriot way. It is a Patriot way. I'm not saying this from a salty space because I have suffered from the Patriots for a very long time. But I've also said this many, 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 many times. I wish the Dolphins would cheat as much as the Patriots do. Okay? They don't. So instead, we suck and you guys win. And the worst about it is, is that a bunch of the rest of us around the world are whining that you're cheating. Like, cry me a river. We win. We always win, whatever. I, I just, yeah. I can't fake the outrage about it. And I also feel like there's an element of sports, a major element, two pillars of sports are competition and entertainment. And the cheating part definitely helps the entertainment side of it. It, it helps it them does. on the competition ends because it gives them an advantage. But at the end of the day, them being yeah. great is a part of the entertainment side of it, of, of things. So they kind of all wind together and there's this weird gray space of what's yeah. available and what's actually cheating and what's not cheating. And like, clearly they're huge cheaters. And that's just, <laughs> that's just what it is. Like you're huge, massive cheaters. Nobody thought that they weren't cheating when this came out, but like now the league is fine them and they're not even going to fight it. So it's like, yeah, you, you guys were just cheating. Well, they've, they've, they've made it clear that a, a million dollars here, a half a million dollars there, a draft pick here, a draft pick there isn't as important to, as, as winning the whole thing. And I think we'd want all of our teams uh, to believe that. And yeah, they're, they're just, they're brazenly uh, doing their thing. But I think the Bengals security guard who busted the cameraman said it best. You know, he was talking about that guy, but we're talking about the Patriots cheating at large. He said, damage is done, my friend. <laughs> I love that guy. His, yeah. He is so, he's all of us. He's all yeah. of us. I was so proud. Like, like he, speak your truth, homie. Damage is done. Yeah, like the the photographer tried to give him his best explanation. He's like, "So you're filming the guys on the sideline? Why exactly?" Oh my god, it was beautiful. And they're wearing Patriots right. shirts. <laughs> Ridiculous. It's a Saturday Night Live skit. Honestly, if you would have told me that was a Saturday Night Live skit that we accidentally thought was real, I would believe it. <laughs> Damage is done, my friend. No, it isn't, because we believe it. 
Oh man, uh, what a, it's a joke. It's a literal. It is. So many things now feel like SNL skits or Onion articles, but they're just they're real. It's our daily lives. Um, speaking of situations like that, um, you know the saying goes, "Practice the way you play." What if you can't practice though? According to NFLPA Executive Director Demory Smith, the unofficial team workouts being held by Tom Brady and others around the league are quote not in the best interest of public safety. Ignore my air quotes. You can't see them anyway, but ignore that because I'm there. It's a real quote. Personally, I could see how a player might not want to hear that, but given the pandemic, I understand why Smith said what he said, and I actually took deeper meaning from it. Joy, the players are wrong for publicizing their team workouts during the pandemic. Wit it or quit it. I would say wit it to that. <clears throat> the, they're not doing anything illegal. Right. So this right? is this is kind of my this is my policy on like what's happening right now. Um, we went through quarantine, right? Most of yep. us followed the rules through quarantine because nothing was open for us to not do anyway. Right. It's not hard. Right. It's not hard. So you had a few people here and there having house parties or yep. what have you, but like for the most part, everyone was quarantined and followed the rules. Right. Correct. Well, now As most you- places in the world, quarantine is over. I'm back at work. You're back at work. Most things are open. They're just asking that you simply wear a mask, you know, which would be the the, the, just the simplest of asks. But because (laughs) we are Americans and it's mildly uncomfortable, I can't do it. Or just like you think you're smarter than a pandemic doctor. (laughs) People aren't wearing masks. So now, of course, you know, we have these incredible numbers skyrocketing and it's a disaster again, which is completely predictable. Um, it's bad, yes. However, until something is literally illegal, I can't say that I have a problem with it. I'm with you though. I don't need it to be advertised, right? So like when, when the helicopters are tra- chasing down Tom Brady, like that, he can't control that, right? Like the news, are gonna, uh, they're gonna do their jobs. Tom, he could have called in a favor if he wanted that mess to stop. I, I kind I of think. wish that, they, that he would if he could. Um, I mean, it's Tampa Bay. It's the biggest story in the world there. So I don't, I don't know that they would necessarily listen to him. But, but I did think it was weird, though, because like, it's, it. it's not really like the best look. I, I totally get it. First of all, I understand it from the players' perspectives in that their lives are moving forward. Like, football is happening. They're going to have to report to camp in not a lot of time. Their right. bodies have to be in the physical shape they need to be in to go into camp, or they're going right. to get injured, which is going to affect years and their future and their family's future. I understand that. So this idea that they can just keep working out in their apartments with their, you know, exercise bands yeah. is ludicrous. Like, they need to get outside and do, <laughs> like, actual running and actual drills, get themselves in shape, the shape they need to be in to go back to camp. Like, that I fully understand. So they're going to need to work out in groups. The reason why the NFLPA doesn't want them working out in groups is because they don't want them coming into camp in massive groups with COVID because that sets everything back. Now, obviously, everyone's going to get tested thoroughly, probably have to do some sort of a week-long quarantine or something before they come into camp. But as at this point right now, I don't have a problem with them practicing. If they were breaking the law or going against what, you know, health officials and like the government was saying to do, then I would say, okay, this is nonsense. Like we're all supposed to be at home, early days in quarantine, like this would have been unacceptable. They're not breaking the law. They're not doing anything illegal. So I'm okay with it, but I am with you. People are, people refuse to get their news and like sources from actual like factual places these days. So, so like yeah. they're, if they're, they're seeing like Tom Brady with no mask on and he shouldn't have a mask on because he's out there working out. They're like, oh, see Tom Brady with no mask on, I'm wearing my mask. 
And <laughs> here we are. So like, I, I don't, I would not mind them not showing the group workouts, right? For sure. It doesn't for bother sure. me that I, they're working out. It, I understand the value of them working out. I understand the necessity for them personally and their and other aspects of their physical health that they need to be working out together. I am with you though. I don't need to see it. Yeah, this is, keep in mind for people listening, this is coming from two people who directly benefit from there being yeah. more footage of Tom Brady. Exactly. Like we need that. We want that. But at the same time, you know, we can Photoshop, we can make it happen without this stuff because what's more important is people's health. To, to your point about, you know, other sports happening and things going on, I just, just let me rattle off really quickly where other sports are at in terms of this and how that, you know, how, uh, you know, you feel pressure to be ready for your sport, but also you see other athletes out there performing. Uh, I've been watching Bundesliga German soccer since mid-May. Uh, English Premier League returned in mid-June. Uh, NASCAR in May. UFC's done five fights in Vegas. They did three fights in Jacksonville. Now they're going to Fight Island. Like, things are happening. The NWSL kicked off from Salt Lake City over the weekend. The MLB's due to start on July 23rd. Uh, the MLS starts in Orlando also on July 8th. And, and uh, NBA is coming in July. So, so many things are going to happen. We're going to have so many different ways to suss out how to have sports during the pandemic by the time we get to football. So this is just a, a early phase conversation that's playing out. And I think like we, you and I both understood when Demoris, 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 Damn, I was putting Demoris on there for no reason this yeah. whole time. Yeah, it's just Damn. Demoris. Damn, that's crazy. Demoris, as Demoris Smith was was saying, no one can pra no one should be practicing. What he really meant was, stop telling everyone, man. Stop making us look bad. Set a good example. That's all. Yeah, and like colleges are practicing. We know everyone is out there practicing, and it, it, I have no problem with that. Again, my issue is with these people, and there's so many of them, and it's <laughs> I can't even say it's disappointing because it's I I cannot pretend like I am even in the slightest. Surprised, yeah. Particle surprise. Particle? Uh, just not even a particle. Not even a tiny little molecule. What's like half a molecule? An atom? I am not an atom surprised that mm. people cannot wear their masks. It just, it's, it's, it's wild. Like, if you're just going to be inside, like, outdoors, cool. Like, stay away from people. You don't have to wear a mask. You're not around other humans, right? Go for a walk. Right. Get some fresh air. Right. Sure. If you go inside a building... If you go inside a subway, if you go inside a bus, if you're in an Uber, um, you know, if you're in an airport, anywhere with, anywhere with plane, walls and a ceiling, I would say, just put your mask on, please. Right before before in March, we all needed to stay inside for two weeks. Here's my question, we right? That off. I was having now, this conversation with someone. Works. I was having this conversation with someone like yesterday, or maybe it's other day. I don't know. Recently. And they were like trying to talk to me about like the masks. And I was like, huh, I have a question. Like, how do you think that the virus is spread? Like, do you think you spread it through your elbows? Or well, like, that's why you do elbow bumps. Yeah. I mean, like, do you, do you think it gets spread through your elbows? You think it like gets spread through farts or like, like forehead sweat? It gets spread through your mouth and your nose. It's a so respiratory. Why would you not? want a mask on okay even if it's no not does. going to 100 no protect you even if it like 70 percent protects you why would you not want a mask on and then being that you could be asymptomatic 
and give it to someone else, you are you are irresponsible as f to not wear a mask. Like I don't understand it. Make it make sense, please. You can't have thought. There's a simple thought equation that it, people must not have thought through. Are you okay with? you being cavalier and giving the illness to someone in your family or someone you know and that person dying because when you're not wearing a mask that's what you're saying you're saying i don't give a fuck. i don't care about you i don't care about anyone else and it's it's ridiculous that's the, the wrong approach that though Heller. that's asks, the wrong approach believe. you can't do it you can't make things about other people you've got to find a way to make it about like how does it affect you if you don't um, want to get it, wear a mask. We're taking, yeah, we're taking a very deep dive now, but overall, that's my point with, with this. Like, everyone's watching, and listen, like, I am not uh, perfect by any means. I'm trying to do my best and, like, live all life and continue to move forward and continue working and, and doing, you know, all the things I enjoy doing while also trying to be responsible. So I get it. But just, like, when you can, just wear a mask. It's not that hard. Just, just try harder. And you said it was Demoris? Demoris. Demoris. Morris Smith, thank you. The stress of daily life weighs on us all. Whether you're an elite athlete or just a regular person trying to get through the day, muscle pain and muscle tension is a real thing. That's why I use Theragun, the handheld percussive therapy device that releases your deepest muscle tension using a scientifically calibrated combination of depth, speed, and power. And now as quiet as an electric toothbrush. That's because the all new Gen 4 Theragun has a proprietary brushless motor that's so quiet you will wonder if it is on while you soothe your aching muscles with Theragun's signature power, amplitude, and effectiveness. Try Theragun risk-free for 30 days. There is no substitute for the Theragun Gen 4 with an OLED screen, personalized Theragun app in the quiet and power that you need. Starting at only $199, go to theragun.com joy right now and get your Gen 4 Theragun today. That's theragun.com joy, theragun.com joy. Hey, Donnie, what's up? What's going on at Hikey Loki this week? What is up? Hikey, the NBA will be back in a matter of weeks. Loki is going to be completely unpredictable. Yeah, so the bubble. <laughs> the bubble is only a few weeks away, and they're going to start reporting down there for camp and uh, mm -hmm. meeting up with teams within the next week or so. And I am very skeptical about everything that's going on with it. Obviously, we know that Florida, Florida going to Florida. So, yeah. you know, there's just a lot, there's a lot going on down there regarding COVID. It seems like it was the best place to have the season restart. Now it seems like it's like we want to be anywhere but Florida. Right. Turning right. to ground zero. <laughs> right now. It's wild. Uh, yeah. uh, predictable, of course, because, you know, nobody wants to wear masks. But yeah, I mean, J.R. Smith is now going to be with the Lakers. A.B. Bradley is out. Several other players are out. Um, there's obviously a large amount of concern for COVID. I'm very skeptical about how this quarantine is actually going to play out. Are players actually going to stay in the bubble because there are really harsh concerns and, uh, yeah. and repercussions to leaving the bubble? Uh, there's a lot that can happen with the play-in games and the seeding. Zion of the Pelicans have one of the easiest schedules. Like they could sneak in the playoffs and change everything up. And also, I mean, I just think with everything that's going on, it's it just feels very. I don't feel confident about this at all. And maybe it's just because like the news is kind of bombarding us with all this really bad news about the spike in cases and yeah. how this like is actually going to work because they are going to have workers who leave the bubble working around the players like I, they're gonna you know 
socially distance and have to wear gloves and you know, all this stuff, but it's just, you can't see it. You can't see the virus. Yeah. So yeah, you can only be so restrictive. Right. So I don't know. I, I want to be optimistic, but you know, the NBA is just because the way the sport is, they're just the most vulnerable sport in this, yeah. in, in this virus, because they don't have a lot of equipment on as in no equipment other than clothing. Yeah. Cloth. They're right up on top of each other while just only wearing cloth. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of players and a lot of staff and coaches, and some of the coaches are older. And it's yeah. just the whole thing is really kind of scary to me. I wanted to be optimistic about it, but, and I'm hoping that, you know, everyone stays safe and no one gets injured and, you know, no one gets sick. But I, uh, I have a lot of issues uh, and concerns with it. And also, I feel like, you know, it's going to be impossible to predict what actually ha what the outcome is going to be because there are so many factors that go yeah. into this this crazy bubble world. I don't know that we can just sit here and safely say like, oh yeah, it's the Clippers or it's the Lakers or you know, it, it, who knows? It's, it's unprecedented. Yeah, it's I've unprecedented. Seen this before. I really think I would not be surprised if this is the year that a team that in normal circumstances maybe wouldn't have even made, made the playoffs or mm -hmm. it's a very low seed ends up pulling an upset and winning the championship because there's just so many unpredictable things that go on with this bubble. Yeah, we'll see. All right, high key. We're really excited about the eyes that the WNBA will be getting when they return. Low key, women are the best at everything. I mean, you know this, yes. I know this, this is common knowledge. This, uh, you would be surprised. Um, but we are really awesome and get things done. Uh, actually, the NWSL was the first major sports league to come back during COVID. No big deal. Um, no big. And of course, you know, the WNBA just like seamlessly announced their return with no issues and no arguing back and forth uh, to Orlando. They're going to be playing at the IMG Academy in Bradenton. And they're going to do a 22 regular season game followed by a traditional playoff format. Now, obviously, I realize the WNBA is much smaller than the NBA, but they are going to have uh, all of their teams there, 12 teams. And, yeah, it's 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 was announced and just we moved right along and there was, there was no issues. And But I am, I'm really excited for people to watch the WNBA because, you know, there was a time in the WNBA when it first started out that it was really cracking. And yeah, I think I that now in this time where everyone is so desperate for sports – we're really going to watch the WNBA and you know, these women are going to get their flowers and I'm, I'm hype about it. I'm excited about it. So I'm looking forward to it. I think it will be uh, pretty seamless as you know, all things that women take this care comes of. comes natural to you guys. You it's know, unfair. We just know how to get things done. You know, we, we, well, I don't know why we get labeled as like the, the, the drama, the drama queens. Like we're, you're just like, what do we need to fix? Okay, let's fix it. Done. Yeah. Like that. Easy. We can figure it out. All right, high key, Brett Favre is wrong about how to use Jordan Love. Low key, Aaron Rodgers is going to have a crazy good year. It's yeah. coming. Oh, yeah. I mean, Aaron Rodgers about to go off. Oh, oh man. It's scary. <laughs> Aaron Rodgers is so mad. Like, Aaron, Aaron Rodgers is an angry guy right now. Like, he is He's just steaming. sitting there steaming, just like, <laughs> with the, like with the steam coming out of his ears. Exactly. So Brett Favre suggested that they use Jordan Love in like a Taysom Hill capacity. He said, I think there's way to, ways to incorporate it, much like Taysom Hill with the Saints. Use it as a halfback, a halfback pass, but occasionally just let him run it to show that she'll do that, something like that. I don't yeah. think Jordan Love is going to see the field at all. Um, now, in theory, maybe what Brett Favre was saying could work, but the problem is 
Aaron Rodgers and Matt LaFleur are not simpatico right now. And mm-hmm. they moved up to get him and they are just making all these decisions that are not supporting Aaron Rodgers right now. So if they, on top of that, start integrating Jordan Love into the offense, no, no. It's the wrong direction. You don't want to be going that direction. You <laughs> want to flip that, go yeah, this way. <laughs> it's not going to work. I don't, I don't know that it would work because I actually think that Taysom Hill is uh, incredibly talented at that gadget position as well. I think everyone's kind of trying to just make it seem like you could just get that. Like Taysom Hill is an incredible yeah. all-around athlete. Very versatile. I don't, Jordan Love is a good runner, but is he is he that much of an athlete? Is his body there yet? Because you know Taysom Hill is older than Jordan Love. Your rookie year to your second year, like your body's going to change a lot too, and that mm-hmm. plays a big role in it because Taysom plays very fearlessly. So yeah, I don't think this will work, but I do know one thing. I like the Packers last year. Man, I'm not selling that stock yet. Aaron Rodgers is going to be a problem this year. He's going to go. Ooh, yeah, man. The lion season is already over before it even began. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Hi, T. What's going on in the Culture Report this week? Hey, Joy. So the BET Awards celebrated 20 years on Sunday. We had to watch it virtually, of course. But the production, the performances, the commercial were on point. They did that. The best thing they could have done this year was to have the entire thing pre-recorded i enjoyed it start to finish um megan the stallion uh she performed did such an amazing job i love that whole mad max vibe in her knees i i need to borrow her knees for sure <laughs> um a few of my favorite moments was marseille martin a little sis she won young stars awards michael b jordan best actor Issa Rae, best actress also deserving but tiana taylor got video director of the year which i'm like Kudos to you, sis, because she deserved that. Lil Wayne tribute to Kobe was phenomenal, of course. Chloe and Halle performance, amazing. They're so cute. I love them. Anderson Pack, I'm so obsessed with him. Uh, he performed. I love him. Uh, Wayne Brady's tribute to Little Richard. He's so talented. Like Wayne Breath, like doesn't necessarily always get the credit he deserves, and he is just crazy talented. Beyonce got, of course, the 2020 Humanitarian Award, and she looked in incredible like so beautiful and we did get to see the official trailer of RESPCT starring Jennifer Hudson and it showed Marlon Wayans I believe Forrest Whitaker as well they're also going to be in the movie so I just can't wait to see it uh Joy what did you think of the BET awards (laughs) I loved it well you covered like almost every moment uh that I loved but I also loved Alicia Keys performance um the baby was amazing as well um, and I thought Amanda Seals did a great job also. I thought it was great, actually. Yeah. I I didn't, mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, like, award show, a part of the award show is, you know, the crowd and the live performances. But I just felt like I didn't mind it. Like, it was, it was great yeah. entertaining. Like, I never know what to expect whenever we're trying to do things virtually, like, how it's actually going to resonate. But I thought it was great. Of course, everything being pre-recorded, so you don't have to worry about any kind of technical issues, which I'm all here for because there's nothing worse than technical (laughs) issues, which I've been dealing with all day today. So yeah, I mean, I thought it was, I thought it was great. Like you said, the commercials were on point. Like it was, it was just, (laughs) it was a really, it was, I had no idea what to expect. And I was so happy with all of it. Beyonce looks like in a goddess yes and she did meg is just incredible um yeah they were just endless moments i love masego i've been listening to masego all day like mm, yes yes so there you know i just thought everything was everything was really well done and i loved it 
same, same, same. Um, so speaking of Beyonce, Black is King trailer dropped. Uh, it's a visual album by, of course, Beyonce. And the trailer was so dope to me. Uh, when she said the ancestors never left you, I believe this will show us like the roots of like where we come from. The basket in the ocean made me think of Moses, whose mother floated him down the Nile River to save him from being killed from the Egyptians. I think it's going to take us through our history and show us patterns of systemic racism in this country. But I have to say something. Black people, I feel like that we are so hard like on each other. I've been, all, I've been already seeing things like, why is the title Black is King? And why is it on Netflix? And it's just like, we got to start appreciating something. I'm like, we're moving in the right direction. I think we need to keep this momentum. This visual album can really, um, can reach so many people and, and definitely educate. And for many of us, like myself, like I was taught in school what I thought was our history. I didn't find out the truth about a lot of events until much later. Thank God for books, documentaries, and conversations. So if Beyonce want to come up with this visual album, where we could possibly like, you know, expand our knowledge and learn something about our roots and our culture. I'm open for that, especially given the times that we're in. We need everything right now. So Joy, what did you think about the trailer? I thought the trailer was brilliant. And one thing about Beyonce when it comes to the visual aesthetic of anything that she touches, it's going to be excellence. Like if you saw the On The Run yeah. tour to um, the visuals that they did at the actual concert were just incredible. Um, obviously, Lemonade was groundbreaking. And her performance um, at Coachella is one of the greatest like, live performances of all time. So she doesn't do anything uh, linear or basic. Like her videos and what she has evolved into as an artist and as a creator are just next level. So yeah. this, this Black is King movie is going to be something that just moves you. I mean, Lemonade to me, like, was just, I could, it blew my mind. Like, I could not, I, I'd never seen anything like this. It was like Michael Jackson thriller level, like, in, like, all time innovative, different, unexpected, original, you know, it just puts it like Lemonade was like, you can't tell me nothing right now. Okay. Like, and it's <laughs> like, you didn't even need to listen to the music to be moved by it. Like that's how powerful it was. So yeah, this is going to be incredible. Uh, it doesn't need to be on Netflix. I love me some Netflix. Okay. But Disney, yeah. Disney does great, great work as well. They do. Um, they do a pretty good job of basically everything that they do. Um, so yeah, right. it's going to be where it is, is irrelevant. You're absolutely right. It's going to reach a lot of people because Beyonce For sure. is the undeniable, uh, biggest artist in the world. So it's, I, I can't wait for it. The trailer looked amazing and it's going to be brilliant. It is. We got to wait a month, but it's, I feel like it's going to be worth the wait. Absolutely. <laughs> Uh, all right, so next, Kanye is partnering with Gap for a new Yeezy line. Kanye is about to put Gap back on the map. And this is like no shade to them, because I know people still shop at Gap. But whether you like Kanye, uh, his clothes, shoes, or even shop at Gap, this stuff is going to sell. At the end of the day, Kanye is a businessman, and he gets things done. So he's going to take this, he's taking this line directly to the people, so there's that. And apparently he worked at Gap as a teen, so I can imagine this being like a full circle moment for him. Um, but nothing will be available until 2021. So look, we got time to save our money. <laughs> I think the collaboration will be dope. Uh, what are your thoughts about this collaboration? I, I love it. I love things that are accessible to everyone. Um, to be perfectly honest, like I am a sneakerhead and I own zero pairs of Yeezys. And oh. I just don't like them. 
And I don't, okay, I'm not I mean, into yeah. like the easy gear. Like, <laughs> and I'm a sweatpants t-shirt. Like, obviously, like I'm like when I'm chilling, I am not uh, over the top at all. Um, so I think this is great. I think that like making things that are affordable and accessible to everyone is impactful. Like there's no, sh there's no mm -hmm. like shame in that or like, you know, it's, it's not chic or, you know, exclusive. Like I like things that are accessible to everyone that people can actually take part in and feel like they're a part of what's going on. So I, like, I don't, I, again, like, I just don't like the way Yeezys look. That's why I've never purchased them. Um, I'm also not like super huge on spending thousands of dollars on pairs of shoes, even though I am a sneakerhead, I'm just more selective, you know? Um, but anyway, the point is not about me. The Gap store, is gonna, the Gap collaboration <laughs> is gonna be dope. Uh, I like that he's doing it. And it is it is a cool story. Like it shows just like how hard work and dedication can, can bring you full circle to where you start and being on the next level. So I love it. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I think it's like I said, it's a dope collaboration for me. Okay, well, thanks, T. Hope you're doing well, staying safe. You look fabulous. Thanks, Joy. You too. Thanks for joining us this week on the Maybe I'm Crazy podcast. Thank you to Emmanuel Acha for stopping by. Make sure that you subscribe to the podcast on YouTube, Maybe I'm Crazy podcast. Follow us on all our social media pages. Follow us on all our social media pages at Maybe I'm Crazy pod. And you can listen to the podcast anywhere you listen to podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, iHeartMedia app, Apple Podcasts. Make sure you subscribe on there as well. And we'll catch you next week. Maybe I'm crazy, maybe I'm not. Ooh.